This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. First of all, this will be your 12th Merseyside derby since you took charge of Liverpool. Seven wins and four draws already, and Everton not challenging Liverpool for a league position in that time either. In some ways, then, do you feel you're still to experience the full extent of this local rivalry? I don't know exactly what you mean. I mean how it feels when you lose a derby or whatever. I've, I've lost enough derbies in my life to know how it feels. So um, don't don't need that experience to be honest. Um, but all the games were really really difficult, especially before the game because you make such a fuss of it all the time. And in the end, we have to play the games. So you you build it up like crazy, and it's like around this game nothing will happen. And we have still to play the game in the home games that work better, obviously than it did in the away games. Um, so, but. We were always in the game, and that's mostly that's that's what I'm most concerned about. Uh, that we really have, we always respect, of course, we always respected Everton, and that's what we do this time, um, and um, for some really good reason because they're just a good football team, and this year they, they look especially good. So um, yeah, we should be spot on, and uh, we will. What's the international break been like for you? Uh, I suppose particularly with concerns over the welfare of your players, with so many of them having to travel? Actually, I don't like to answer this question because it always sounds like um, I, I moan about something I, I cannot change anyway. So it's, if you want to, if you want to be a serious journalist, write a piece about it. So how, how it is when you, when you play at, at Wednesday in Peru and on Saturday in Liverpool. What do you think about that? If it should be like this and what the FIFA is doing around this, how they help us with bringing the players back and all these kind of things. So, um, it was like it always was. They came all back um, healthy, but it's good. Um, half it. We had one and a half days time to to improve that, um, to make them match ready. That's how it is. So nothing else to say. I just want to ask you in general terms about uh, Project Bigger Picture as well, because obviously fans groups have spoken. The fans groups of the big six and said football's a family. It requires a fair share of resources to ensure the Premier League is competitive and that lower leagues flourish as well. They also went on to say that they're totally opposed to departing from one club, one vote, collective ethos of the Premier League. And Gary Neville says that, that football has proven incapable of governing itself and has called for independent regulation. What's your opinion on those views compared to the proposals that were set out in, in Project Bigger Picture? First of all, I think it was really important. It is really important that we speak about it because I can remember when we last time spoke about something like this, um, the, about the, the space for improvement uh, within football, uh, professional football. Um, how a lot of times in life um, there must be a crisis, um, not um, necessarily a, a virus, but a crisis to to start talking. And um, this time, I, I was really, I'm really happy that that now people talk about it because they are. Um, yes, it's very competitive and that's positive. Nobody wanted to change that. I'm not really in it, to be honest. It's not that I was involved or whatever. I was informed from a specific moment on. But I can say um, all the people I know who were involved are concerned about football. And yes, about Liverpool as well, but if it's normal. But about football in general, that was their intention. So, um, and now... Other people can make of it whatever they want. If you want to understand, if you want to understand the idea behind it, I think it's possible. If you don't want 
then you just knock it down. So it's not that's not a problem. It's not a um, we will play on football, obviously before that, after that, um, all the things. But there are things we 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 can improve, and I really think that did you always have to improve them now before you before you see the real problems in the future, and that's what these people tried um, to do. And um, so we have the real problems in the future. That's what the people try to do. And um, I think when the process um, keeps on going, that um, people are talking about it, discussing it, then it's very, very positive. Brilliant. Okay, Vicky from PLP. Vicky. Hi, Jürgen. Good to see you. Hi. Um, obviously, brilliant start for Everton this season. And I understand in your belief, under Carlo Ancelotti, Everton can sincerely become the next proper challenger in the Premier League. That's quite an accolade. Yeah. I think that you don't need to be a manager to see that. It's uh, pretty clear that they did some good business and, and Carlo is a, is a sensational manager. And, um, and so it was always clear when he has the time um, to build something, then he will do that. And after the resources to build something, then he will do that. And that's what he did. So this team looks really, really good. Um, I would like to say something different, but it's not possible. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, that's a... Of course, a proper challenge. Like, look, so many teams did really good business in this transfer window. Window um, with really, which made really sense, um, and they all will improve. Whenever, however, now what West Ham is doing, for example, if they do something today or not, I don't know, but they improve, and um, so all teams improve in that league, and that's what what everybody has to to, to know about. We know about that, and so that's why we. Um, um, have to be ready for each uh, um, each of these games, and tomorrow. So in not even twenty four hours, we can show that. And we all know, of course, that it's been ten years since Everton won the last Merseyside derby. How much does a record like that, when it goes on for so long, play into the mentality of both sets of players, or does it not? Not at all. So it's obviously FSG thing since they are in. That's the case. So it's 10 years for them, 10 years for that. So, um, of course, from my point of view, long may it continue, but we never thought really about it before we played them, um, before we played Everton, not once. That we think, ah, they don't win anyway, these kind of things um, we never had in our mind. We know it's, um, it's hardest work tomorrow for us and um, we will be ready for that. Thank you. Thank you, Vicky. We Pleasure. got to yet. Julian, you know that your sofa is the same color than your jumper. Exactly. No, no, it's not. That's red. It looks, it looks, it, it looks from here exactly the same I color. The television. There we go. There we go. <laughs> it's funny. Um, this one might not make you smile. Um, it's been, it's been a bit of a, bit of a wild ride in the Premier League um, for all teams in the first four games. I was just wondering because of the crazy score lines that have been coming through. Um, Fans don't seem to be allowed, going to be allowed to go back in the stadiums anytime soon. Whether you know that that forces the mind to wonder the concentration of the players because the crowd isn't on you at the time, and maybe that could be one of the reasons why we're seeing so so many crazy scorelines so far. It looks like. To be honest, it looks like that's the reason for it because nothing else changed. Only the scorelines changed, and uh, the scorelines changed, and uh, no, no people in the stadium. So I think it makes sense that we that we see it like this. Uh, but I don't know one hundred percent. But I see the the scorelines, and um, that's why. Um, yeah, of course. The 
audience or the crowd or whatever you call it, they sharpen your focus. That's completely normal. That's completely clear and you have to do that by yourself constantly. But it's anyway no excuse for no team. So because one team scored seven and the other team scored only two. So which only one team suffered of no crowd in the stadium, if you want. So you still there's still opportunity to to use the situation instead of suffering from it. So we don't really um, think about it, but we know that it's our own job that we have to bring ourselves in a mood that the crowd will not help um, and um, cannot help. And um, so, yeah, it's possible. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Just in terms of the leading scorers for both teams, Dominic Calvert-Lewin for Everton, for you it's Mo Salah. And I'm just wondering, Salah seems to be really, really sharp from the from the start of the season. The kind of goals that he's scoring are really impressive as well. I mean, it's his best start to a season statistically. Um, how, how pleased and, and impressed have you been with the way he's, he's started this new campaign? Very with the overall performance. So we we have to cut out. Okay, he scored twice against Aston Villa, but I, and they are now nice um, in the in the what is it in the list. But of course, he would like to score in other games um, when we when we win or help the team to win. I know that. Um, but yes, he, his overall performance was really good so far. It was uh, looks like a complete performance. So involved in the game. Um, being a proper option for us for passing and still staying the, the incredible sharp finisher. So, um, yeah, good season so far, for sure. Yeah. How much of that is, and I know we've spoken about Stana a lot over the last couple of years, but how much of that is natural ability? How much of it is, is practice, practice, practice? Because you see some of the goals he scored this season where the balls come to him really quickly across the box. He did it first time. And the quality of the strike is, has just been incredible. Is that something that you see him practicing a lot or is it just natural instinct and ability? Uh, all these players out there are a mix of all the things. There's a lot of natural ability, of course, but um, that alone... Uh, doesn't bring you to the Premier League and doesn't let you win trophies in football. So no, no chance about that. If without practicing, you have no chance. So you have to do things again and again and again. We, we do these things for the boys. They don't have too much time after training that they um, do another 20 minutes, whatever they want to do because of the tight schedule. We can. That's not from a physical point of view, not not too smart and not really possible. Um, but yes, of course, it's all about practicing. But it's how I said it's. Um, the, 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 the skills, the skill set of, of Mo is um, already outstanding. But uh, without his attitude during all his career, he would not be close to the player he is now. So it's a mix. OK, we go to Carl Markham. Hi, Jürgen. Like Sorry always, I don't see you. This is top, uh, top row, four on there. There we go. Yes, yeah, there okay. we go. Yes. Yeah. Very, very well groomed. Beautiful. Um, yes, go on. Yes, um, aside from the complications of the international break, which you don't want to talk about, I'm just wondering when you're getting players back on a Thursday and you've got the added complications of something like COVID testing, how much does that impact your thinking on team selection for a game that kicks off at 12 30? Um, so first and foremost, I would say we are both teams are in the same situation. Everton had players away and we had players away. So um, that's kind of fair if you want. I, I, even I think it's um, when we when we decided for these games at 12.30 on Saturday, there was never a, trip, a triple header involved that the boys had to play um, three games in the same time where they usually play two games. It's already difficult enough to sort that. So... Um, 
yeah, you can do it once, but if then they, they do it next, or if you have to do it once, but there should no be no even a close chance that the same teams have to do it twice, just to say that. So now the challenge, and the challenge is always um, in the moment, we, be, um, we make all the decisions with the knowledge we have in the second we make the decision, and then sometimes we have to overthink it again because something comes in between. But the boys got the most of the FAs worked obviously very, very um, serious on that had testing programs, um, um, really important and all that stuff. So we brought most of the players back as much as we could in, in private planes um, that they don't get in contact with anybody else and these kind of things. So we try to do everything. Yes. And then they have to do when you come back from the national teams, you don't have to do a testing before they play Premier League. That's a normal, the, the Premier League obviously trusts uh, um, the, the specific FAs. And um, so that's not necessarily uh, what you have to do, but um, we do it for us anyway. So on a, on a private basis, yeah, and then we wait for the results. We would expect they're all negative um, because the positive cases we had so far, they were all pretty much all of them to explain with kind of travels and stuff like this. Now they travel again, but in a closed um, um, environment with the national teams and they have the same, um, the same reason like we have to keep them as safe as possible. So that's different to usual traveling, I would say. Just so following on from that, what are you like team news-wise for this weekend and, and how has Alisson been progressing in the two weeks he's, he's had? Very, very positive with Ali. Um, uh, looks really good. Um, yeah, make big steps. Make big steps. We don't. I don't have a time frame, uh, but it looks it looks really good. Um, that's it, pretty much. Um, Nabi will not be ready. Uh, apart from that, anybody else? Was anybody injured before? Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, long term, of course, Oxley not and so on. But any, from the others, no, they came all back um, healthy from the national team. Fantastic. Okay, we've got a few hands up, guys, but obviously it's a busy press conference and we've got a breakout, so I'm not going to be able to take any more than one question. And um, so, Lars uh, from Norway, just one question, please, Lars, and then we'll uh, go to Tom and Kieran to finish. Lars, you're on mute, Lars. You're still on mute. No. Lars, we're going to come back to you. Tom, no, yeah, there yeah. we are, there we are, booming yeah, for you. Are. Nice one. <laughs> Perfect. Wonderful. Right, um, so uh, Jürgen, uh, over the international break, have you had the time to um, reflect on the season so far and uh, what are you not so pleased with, what are you pleased with? And uh, as well, if you... Um, Look at the current situation that uh, Liverpool is in in terms of uh, COVID-19 with Tier 3. Um, is this derby even more important uh, for the city of Liverpool in terms of the social restrictions in, in the city at the moment that you actually have two um, really strong Premier League teams going at each other? Well, could you please mute yourself again? <laughs> Uh, a joke. So I, I, I actually the, the question was that long that I forgot um, what we are talking about. So I and I lost it a little bit. What was it with three and COVID? I'll come to that in a second. It's assess the season so far. Ah, okay. Well, um, the derby has a big, big uh, is, is a big one in Liverpool. Obviously, for this city is um, 
I like to think not exactly 50-50, but um, a lot of people um, support obviously Everton um, and all the rest um, um, supports Liverpool. I don't think you find one person in Liverpool who is not really interested in football. Even if you are not interested, you have, you know somebody who is that much interested that you cannot um, really ignore that. So yes, it's a big one. We know that. If that's now bigger because of the COVID situation in the city, I don't know. When you are in the city, yes, um, it's. I don't say it's normal. It's like it's it's not normal. Like it's pretty much everywhere not normal. And we know about the restrictions. We don't have feel them here, um, but we know about them. And I think this game has its has a, 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 is as important as ever, but not more because of COVID. I don't see that. Um, um, that it depends on that. But yeah, that's it. You, the question was much longer, so maybe I forgot parts. That's all good. That's That's all good. good. Yeah. Okay. We'll go to Kieran, Kieran Canning, and then we're going to finish with Tom uh, Hamilton. But just one question, please, Kieran. Hi, Odin. Uh, I presume from what you've said before that Sadio and Thiago will be available for uh, tomorrow. And given that, when, when players have had the virus and coming back, obviously one of the associated symptoms is fatigue. So how? How careful do you have to be to bed them in when they have been training and not just throw them in to play 90 minutes? Yeah, of course. We, 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 all, we all learn on a daily basis about it. So they are all ready for um, since, I'm pretty sure, five, six days in training, I would say. Um, so, and then, of course, we, we, we assess that every day. So we have our, our specific measurements, how we do it with heart rate and all, and how we, how we um, can measure um, if they are more fatigued than usually, stuff like this. So they both look really good, to be honest. So uh, we are very close with the doctors. We don't want to, we would never risk anybody and stuff like this. Um, but usually in these cases, it's like this, that the, um, at least the last three, four, five days of the quarantine, the boys are already ready. Um, they cannot get out of quarantine, but um, they are on on, um, on treadmill stuff like that, um, on the bike and these kind of things. So when they start training again, it's not that they start from nil. So they have quite a proper, um, still a proper shape. So that should be fine. But it's for us how we are. So many things are new in the moment. This is one of the things um, you yeah. What can I say? That's one of the things which are really new, but we try to be as sensible as possible. And final question from Tom Hamilton. Tom, I, I'm just wondering, without the um, without the crowds in the stadium, has it changed the way in which you communicate with your players during the game? That's all. <laughs> I would like to see so, but obviously in Aston Villa it didn't work. So whatever I said there, obviously went in the wrong direction. So. Um, Uh, there are situations where, when I when I when I want to make a point uh, point clear, and the boys th- don't look at me because they think they know anyway what I want to say. That's really interesting. I had this con- this discussion already with one or two after the game. Then, so yes, but of course we can communicate more and 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 usually better. Um, but it's football is not this kind of sport where you um, should pretty much judge or or um, commentate each situation on the pitch because the players have to all the work we do we, we try to do on the training pitch yes I can I can give help uh, in specific situation but it's not like I'm like a radio commentator and, and say whatever they, they have to do in the next situation I never understood that really um, but yes but it's easier like when the stadium is full 100% that's one of the very 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 little advantages.
You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.